when the manuscript was done, I started pitching agents probably in a blind fury, like just, you know, too many pitches at one time because I was so ready, but I also wasn't ready. La, 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 the things you want to do. La, 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 the things you want to do. Hi, everyone. I'm Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Someday I will heed the call and sail off into the blue. Someday I will bag it all and do the things I want to do. La 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 la, the things you want to do. La 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 la, the things you want to do. Hi everyone. What do you like to read? Are you a fan of fiction? What kinds of stories grip you or transport you? Have you wanted to write your own? My guest, Nicole Meyer, has published three novels and didn't get started writing seriously until she turned 40. In our conversation, she talks about the self-doubt that held her back at first and how she overcame it. She was helped along the way by a generous community of fellow writers. That struck me in particular because I've been hearing that a lot from guests and seeing it myself. There are friendly and helpful colleagues in just about every field available to help newbies who are serious about learning. I'm emphasizing this point because I know I tend to default to thinking no one wants to answer my dumb question or that experienced person won't have time for little old me. But I don't think that's the case anymore and holding on to that mistaken belief can really limit us. As Nicole says, you need to do your homework and put in your effort, but trust that you will find the mentors and resources you need to help you along the way. If writing fiction is your path, this episode could be one of them. Here's the interview. My guest today is Nicole Meyer. Nicole is the author of three women's fiction novels, and she currently works as a book coach for fiction writers, helping them bring their stories to life. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. So tell me, have you always wanted to be a writer? I think the answer to that is yes. I said the word think in there because although I've always wanted to be a writer, I definitely had doubts along the way. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I've always been an avid reader. The library was my safe haven and I just always wanted to tell stories, but it took me a while to figure out how to do that. I want to hear about how you learned how to do that. I also am curious about your doubts because I bet that a lot of listeners have experienced the same thing. And I can kind of explain that a little further. So I, I went to school for writing. So in college, you know, that was my major creative writing. I definitely loved it. I knew that's, that's where I wanted to be, but I always thought that I wasn't enough. You know, even though I got good grades and that my stories were getting recognition, I worked on the college paper, I just had self-doubts because I didn't think that I was maybe edgy enough or smart enough or unique enough. So what I did after college was I went and I worked for different editors of magazines and I shadowed the editors to kind of see how they got to where they did. But I really just kind of grappled with, am I unique enough? to go out there and tell a story and get it published. 
And I grappled with that all the way until, gosh, almost my 40th birthday. Wow. What, what was particularly helpful in letting go of that? You know, other women, I have to say, I've had some really good mentors and people kind of lift me up along the way. Um, I will say from my experience, the writing community is inclusive and supportive and thank goodness it wasn't cut, um, at least in my experience. So I actually um, started doing some freelance work again for magazines. And I had one particular editor that I can think of that was really amazing and helpful and encouraging. And it was the best lesson for me because I learned how to not only tell stories, but how to reach an audience and how to work with an editor and, you know, graciously accept edits, um, not to be defensive about my work and really just learn um, how to hone my craft. So yeah, there have been other women along the way. There was also, I had a blog at that time where I would interview other authors for travel reads, you know, kind of armchair travel. And one author I interviewed, I can't believe she even responded to me, but I saw her in the Oprah magazine and I decided to send her an email just on a whim thinking, oh, she's not going to get back to me. She's too big. Uh, but she did. And she graciously accepted my invitation to be on my blog for an interview. And at the end, I secretly shared with her, I was working on a manuscript. And not only did she encourage me, she gave me her home address and said, you can send me the full manuscript and I will read it and give you notes. Yeah. So it's other women who have really lifted me up in that way. And I'm so grateful. I have had two conversations recently with guests, with podcast guests, who said the same things, that in their field, the community was incredibly welcoming and warm and helpful. And another guest specifically said, go for it, ask, reach out to the people that scare you a little bit, because why not? So yeah. that's so cool that you have proven both of those points. That's really <laughs> neat. So when did you first start writing with serious intent? Yeah, that's a great question. So like I said, I was doing a lot of freelance gigs for different uh, lifestyle magazines. But on the side, I was secretly working on a manuscript and a friend, and I didn't tell anyone, a friend was interested in writing and she invited me, this was maybe back in 2012, to the San Francisco Writers Conference I'd never been to a writer's conference before. I didn't know what to expect. I maybe only had three chapters of a manuscript written. But I'm telling you, when I walked into that lobby and it was full of agents and editors and writers and publishers, I just knew I'd found my people and that really lit my fire. I wanted to be a part of that world, so I got serious. That's very cool. So, so probably your recommendation might be, or one of your resources might be for listeners to go to a writer's conference. Absolutely. Or go to somewhere where, you know, other writers are getting together. It could be a writer's workshop. It could be your library. It could be a conference, but commune with other writers, because honestly, there's no other kind of inspiration when you're a creative person. I really recommend that. Okay, well, we'll get to, to more of that. But so, so how did you go from wannabe writer to published author? Right. So that was a huge learning curve. I think it still is for all writers. And even if you're uh, an established author, the market keeps changing. So we're all kind of relearning things as the market shifts. But I did my homework in a big way. Um, I, I saw 
you know, there was another writer that I reached out to who had some great books published. And I said, what's your recommendation to me? And she gave me two words and that was start small. And at the time Mm. I have to say that it irritated me (laughs) because (laughs) I wanted something I could sink my teeth into some really good advice, but I took a minute and I sat with her words and she was correct. All writers need to start small somewhere to build that experience. Like I said, just to learn how to work with an editor, to learn how to reach an audience. So, um, I started, I actually applied for an ad to be, um, with my local visitors association to write their travel blog once a week. And that was my very first, you know, dipping of my toe back into the writing world. I was almost 40. So I knew by my 40th birthday, I really wanted to get this career going again. And then from there, I started getting hired to do, you know, like I said, the magazine jobs. And then I went to the conference and started really working on a book. When the manuscript was done, I started pitching agents probably in a blind fury, like just, you know, too many pitches at one time because I was so ready, but I also wasn't ready. And and I don't know if any of your listeners have been through this, but pitching agents, I always tell people, it's kind of like the American idol for writers. It's like, you have to show off and say, look at me, I'm special and look at, you know, my craft. And there's so many people in line in front of you and behind you wanting the same thing. And so the editor, the agent's, all said declined. Um, They all passed, but they don't pass usually with any feedback. So it's actually Mm -hmm. really difficult. And then nine months later, one agent wrote back a very thoughtful email chapter by chapter why the story wasn't working. And that was a gift. Yeah, that was a huge gift because even though she passed, it was at least feedback. Mm -hmm. So I put that manuscript in a drawer and I started something new. And then that was the book that I knew should be published. The other one, it was my practice novel. I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did you uh, eventually get, get an agent? Or am I jumping ahead? Am I going no. to? Should, okay. You're not jumping ahead at all. So that book um, is called The House of Bradbury. That was my first book. And I actually knew what it was like to pitch agents. And I knew it could take anywhere from three days to two years. Honestly, my agent tells me now, sometimes agents don't go back to writers who pitch them for two years. So I knew it was a long window and I didn't want to go through that again because I was so eager. So I actually um, got connected with the owner of a hybrid press and hybrid for anyone that doesn't know is a combination of self-publishing and traditional publishing where it's very collaborative. The writer um, spends a certain amount and the publisher spends a certain amount, but you still get royalties. So they um, vetted me, they read my manuscript, they signed me with a contract, and they published my book. It actually wound up getting some nice press, it was in some different newspapers and magazines. And from there, two uh, literary agents reached out to me and offered representation for my next work. So I, I did sign with someone, Abby Saul of the LART Group, who I just adore. And then she was able to pitch my next two books to a bigger traditional press, which um, is called Lake Union, and they're actually owned by Amazon. Amazon actually owns a publishing house. So that was my journey. So that sounds like a wise step for somebody to, to go the hybrid route. Yes. I mean, honestly, I, there's so many pros and cons of each way to go, but I love the hybrid or the small press because it's so collaborative. Mm -hmm. Um, you get to have say as an author 
about everything from your title to your cover art to the way that the story is being edited. A lot of times with the bigger publishers, it's prestige and it's a big distribution and it's exciting. But a lot of friends I know, you know, they don't know their book cover until the, the box is delivered to their front door. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I actually like the smaller experience because it feels like I have more control. But I can imagine that somebody who hadn't done as much homework as you had, somebody who didn't have as much experience in the other ways of working with editors and stuff, wouldn't be as suited for a hybrid kind of experience. You know, it just depends. You're right. It depends. But I felt like people were really working with me and explaining the process along the way. Self-publishing is also a terribly, or I shouldn't say terribly, it's a very rewarding um, path for so many people because you make money, you're in complete control. It's very exciting, but you have to be so dedicated and you have to show up every day and treat it like a small business. So I think hybrid and small press is the next step. If you don't want to be running a small business in that capacity, work with someone collaboratively um, to get your work out there. So you spoke of a couple of avenues of, uh, that were travel related, but your, your books are women's contemporary fiction. Mm-hmm. Did you explore different genres uh, when you were thinking up stories? Yeah, I mean, those, those are loosely connected. So my blog originally was a travel blog because I have two older sisters and both of our parents have passed away. And since they passed, we kind of made a commitment that we would travel once a year together. And, you know, we take turns planning the trip and we'd have people stop us all the time when we were traveling saying, you girls are laughing so much and so connected and what's your secret and who are you? Are you friends? Are you sisters? And so I started the blog because of that, because other people would say, I'd love to take a trip with my best friend or my sibling. But really family is part, you know, so family fueled that. And then family is the common thread throughout my next three books. So I do really incorporate a lot of elements of family. I get it. Okay. <laughs> so, so tell me about writing fiction as opposed to Um, memoir or nonfiction or other things? Uh, Fiction is kind of my wheelhouse. You know, that's what I know. And that's what I love to do. I love to just dream up characters and settings and stories. You know, there's definitely parts of it that are inspired by real life. I think there's something unique about fiction where all storytelling, right, whether it's nonfiction or an essay or an article or fiction, it all depends on, you know, creating a story with a hook. But I think fiction goes one step beyond, in my personal opinion, is that it creates empathy with the reader. And I Mm. love that idea. You can have a good character or a bad character, but somehow we need to find empathy when we're reading the story and want to root for that character and want to see the journey and want to see them evolve. Um, So I think fiction is a little bit unique in that way. So yes, and I feel the same way when I'm coaching that. I really... I'm only taking on fiction writers because it's something that I just love and could talk about all day. Whereas I've worked with some nonfiction writers and I've, I've been really proud of them and excited for them, but I don't connect in the same way that I do with fiction. Mm -hmm. I get it. We'll have more from Nicole Meyer about what a book coach does and how to navigate the publication maze after the break. So tell me about 
what a book coach does? How do you work with clients? Yeah, that's a great question. I think book coaching is kind of a new um, career out there or a new avenue that a lot of people don't understand or know yet, which is actually kind of exciting to be, you know, at the beginning stages of that. There's so many different kinds of coaches out there, as, as we all know. But book coaching is someone, it's a professional that will walk with you from concept all the way to publication if you want. So for me, I didn't have someone like this in my corner when I was writing. And I kind of forced my literary agent to be that person. <laughs> I forced her to be my friend, to be my support system, <laughs> to be my editor, um, and to give me ideas, you know, lists of who to pitch. I mean, I really, and she was she is lovely and she did all that for me. But what I, I didn't realize that I needed back then, what I do now is I needed a coach. So for me, when I take on a client, I would say 90% of the time, they're just in the beginning stages of a manuscript. And uh, we really flesh out the why of their work and the point of their work. And, you know, people say, oh, I want to be a New York Times bestseller. But if you really start talking to them five minutes into it, you realize they're not writing what they thought they, they wanted to write. They're writing what they thought they should write. Uh, you you yeah. know, what, what their family would be proud of or what they're supposed to do for the industry. So we get to the why. You know, sometimes I have authors come to me and say, I'm writing a novel and it's going to be, you know, a mystery and this and that. And then we really get into the kind of the workbooks that I do with people. And I realize you're writing self-help. You're writing, you know, mm -hmm. a wellness book. This isn't a novel at all. So do, you know, write what's in your heart. And then they get really excited and then we take it on a new path. So from there, after we get to kind of what I call the creative brief, you know, the why and the point and who is your audience and what's the market and what do you really want for this book in terms of just getting into the hands of a few or the masses, then we get into the story and developmental editing, which is all about character and plot and pacing. Uh, we do a lot of rewrites. And then when we move beyond that, when the work is polished to the you know, best of the writer's ability, we start thinking about a game plan. Okay, who are we pitching? Mm -hmm. Are we self-publishing or are we pitching agents? And how are we going to go about that? So really, it's someone who will stay with you and cheer you on, but also help you refine your work as you move forward. And if somebody wanted to work with you, would they be able to take a slice of that path mm. rather than the whole experience? Yeah, that's a great point. Yes, I offer different packages. So some people say, you know, what's my most popular package right now is they just want a mini kickstart. So I've got this mm -hmm. idea. I just want that kickstart, that creative boost from you. So we work together in three sessions. And then, you know, nine times out of 10, they come back to me a month later and say, I'm ready to do the full on monthly book coaching. Mm -hmm. But I do have things like that. Where, do you want me to just do developmental editing for your first 25 pages? Great. I'm happy to do that. You know, sometimes we just need a little push and then we can go back to our work and, and just get back into the bubble. And say a little bit more about what developmental editing is. Yeah. So there's developmental editing and there's copy editing and then there's proofreading. So I do the first. So developmental editing is looking at the big picture. So your whole story, is this structured in a way that makes sense? Is the pacing on target? Or do we need to rearrange some chapters in the way it goes? Is your character development there? Is your setting enhanced enough? Things like that. So I'm not doing inline edits, changing your grammar, because that's for the copy editor. 
I don't do that. I think that it's more important to talk about the story and build that foundation first. And then when you go into work with a publisher, they will give you the copy editor. They will give you the proofreader. Mm -hmm. I get it. Okay. So what are some misconceptions that, that uh, inexperienced writers might have? You know, I think this can be said for a lot of entertainment industry. So you could say this about a singer or an actor. Mm -hmm. Some people think you just show up and you just write one draft and you sign with Random House and away you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you think about a songwriter, they didn't just show up one day with a song on a piece of paper at the production studio and say, you know, I'd like, I'd love a contract. Let's go. They are really working on their craft. A lot of times with a singing coach or a writing coach, they're um, collaborating with producers. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, with writing. It's building that network. It's fine tuning your writing and it's doing a lot of research. So read books in your genre. I cannot tell you how many writers come to me and say, okay, I want to write uh, thrillers. Great. What are the thrillers that you love already? Oh, I haven't read any thrillers in a few years. And you just think, <laughs> read, read widely, <laughs> you know? So I think there's a misconception that people think they can skip so many steps and be successful just because they've written something. Mm -hmm. You need to do the work. You need to show up and, you know, do your research. And uh, one of the things you said earlier is about taking edits graciously. Yeah. How, how does that happen? You know, writing is such a personal thing. We are pouring our heart and souls onto the page. And when someone critiques that, it can sting. So, you know, a good editor or a good book coach will know how to make suggestions in the right way to keep your writer open. But also as the writer, it's important to listen and if you're getting a lot of no's and rejections, there's a reason. It's not that mm -hmm. it's not the editor's fault because they just don't understand. You know, if you're getting five, six, seven no's in a row, there's something with the work that's not clicking with the person reading it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's about really listening. You don't have to accept every edit that someone suggests, but you need to consider it. Yeah. Tell me about the experience of getting your very first book published. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was magical. And I have to say, people still ask me because I have three books out there, which is your favorite. And I always say the first, not because it was my best, but because there's nothing like a first and the feeling is like a honeymoon phase. There's nothing like getting that box delivered to your doorstep full of paperbacks, you know, or hardbacks. Um, there's nothing like holding it for the first time and just having readers read it for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I, gosh, it's when I see other authors, you know, maybe sometimes they'll do a quick video on social media of opening a box of books. I get so excited for them and I can feel that joy all over again. That's very cool. Yeah. What do you wish that you had known that you didn't learn when you were coming up? that it's a long game. It's not a short game and you have to put in the work and just know if it doesn't happen in the next six months, it will happen, but you have to have some stick-to-itiveness. What do you do in the meantime? You just keep working and keep, 
you know, a journal of all your story ideas that you want to develop mm. because it's always good to have work on the back burner because you never know when a publisher will say, we're interested, but what else do you have? And then you have to pitch two stories at once. Got it. That's yeah. good. Thank you. What are some resources, both your own and any others that you want to recommend for aspiring novelists? Yes, that is a great question. I truly feel like there's no better time than now. We have so many resources available, especially online when we're stuck at home. Um, it used to be in the old days, you know, you would go to the library and look things up, but now you have it all at your fingertips. So there are great online courses. Gosh, there's so many online courses that can really help you. I actually like Skillshare. It's kind of like the Netflix of learning. Um, there's so many cool established authors and then just writing coaches on there who can teach you just little snippets at a time. I, because I wrote women's fiction, I love the Women's Fiction Writers Association. So it's for female writers, but it's just such a great support system. And they have a lot of free webinars and they have pitch sessions and critique groups. Writers Digest continues to be a great resource for articles on the industry. Um, and then, yeah, I, I would just say find your favorite couple of authors that you admire and read the acknowledgments page of their book and see who their agent was, who their editor was, what writing group that they mention, and, and kind of look into that because there's so many resources available. Um, that's a wonderful list of suggestions. I will put the links to the mm -hmm. online ones in the show notes. Uh, so what are you working on now? <laughs> I'm working on coaching. You know, it's so funny. I, I had no idea I would end up here. I really didn't. I haven't written anything in about a year and I'm okay with that because falling into this coaching job has been so fulfilling. I just am so excited for other people. Um, so I'm eager to take them on this journey and I'll, I'll get back to writing one of these days, but right now I'm just having too much fun. That sounds great. Do you have your own courses that people can sign up for? Yeah, I do. Actually, I'm a teacher on Skillshare, so I have one course on there. Um, if you just look up Nicole Meyer and then um, people can. I, I did a lot of workshops last year. This year I'm doing more one on ones, but people can really follow me um, on Instagram. That's where I'm always there. And I always have tips and tricks and advice. And then they can also look up my packages if they want one-on-one -on -one support. That's wonderful. This has been really juicy um, and, <laughs> and helpful. Was there anything you'd like to say in conclusion? No, I just thank you for this opportunity. And I love that you're just spreading the word with people who want to be inspired and create and learn more. So thank you so much for this platform. It is my pleasure. My thanks to Nicole Meyer. You can find out more about her books, her course, and her recommendations in the show notes. My thanks also to you, my listeners. I'm grateful for your support of all kinds, sharing with your friends, giving me feedback, supporting me on Patreon, and leaving reviews. I invite everyone to write and tell me what you've always wanted to try. I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold, and thanks for listening. things you want to do.